For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by, by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, and welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio. I'm your host, Julio Mar Rodriguez, and across from me is the usual Mr. A.W. Rilla. Where are we coming from, Julio? Out of the state of Texas. Texas. I completely forgot. <laughs> For those, that, that's that's the first time I ever you, on this radio, yeah. uh, on doing Bridge Radio, I, ax, I actually forgot yeah, to, to okay. talk about Texas. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, so yeah, we are the Christian podcast out of Texas that uh, likes to talk theology, talk about testimonies, yes. and I really like Titus chapter 3, that verse I just read, because that is the experience of every brother and sister that is now in Christ. Yes. Um, we were once walking in the flesh, foolish, disobedient, led astray, but when the Holy Spirit regenerates us, we are now a new creation, a new being. That's what the scriptures talk about. And uh, with that said, we have uh, uh, two guests yes. uh, on the program, uh, Diego and Nadelka Medina. Yes. And uh, they are from San Antonio. They are members at Grace Community Church San Antonio, and I have, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know Diego. Um, me and Nadelka have exchanged messages through WhatsApp, and finally today is the first time we get to, uh, to, to, to talk in person, and now she's on Bridge Radio, and she's going to be the individual sharing her testimony. And, awesome. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, gonna, it's, it's always refreshing to hear a, a testimony such as hers. So um, anyway, welcome to the program. Diego, Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just talking to Diego and letting him know that I heard him preach uh, Julio at your church. Uh, I guess it was two months ago, and 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 I told him, "Oh, I just remember you because you're from Puerto Rico." And then he asked me, "Well, what did I preach on?" I was like, "I don't know. I don't remember." <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. He busted me out. But uh, but my, my my wife has the notes, and I know I'm gonna now look back and just. Uh, uh, check it out and see what you preached on. And, and right. See, but. <laughs> right. By the way, since uh, we're recording this podcast a little early, it's going to drop next week. Thanks, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yes. Since this is oh, going to drop yes. on Friday. It's yes. going to be Black Friday. Um, I hope everybody's safe yes. at home. No one got uh, uh, trampled on at the stores. I well, hope everyone's spending it with family. <laughs> yeah. I hope everybody had some delicious turkey and all the goodness, mashed potatoes right. and corn and all the <laughs> yumminess. And now you're probably out right now while you're listening to this podcast. Has, waiting in line somewhere, trying to get uh, the advantages <laughs> of Black Friday, and probably trying to get cheap TVs for like, yeah. So yeah, we just had a seventy-five <laughs> inch TV on. It's just sitting at my dad's house. And oh he's, really? Yeah, he's working on that. I was like, this is a massive. That's a big TV. <laughs> yeah, that, seventy-five inches. I was like. Okay. Anyway, That's but um. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And so, uh, yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Diego, Nadelka. Um, I just mentioned y'all were in San Antonio. How long have y'all been members uh, of GCC San Antonio, and, and how long have y'all been here? Well, GCC San Antonio is about eleven years now. Wow. Okay. Um, by God's grace, um, <clears throat> I've been in San Antonio since two thousand, mm. and. Met Nedelka through mutual friends while she was still living in Nicaragua. Mm. 
and she moved to Nica to she moved to San Antonio when we got married. So that was fourteen and a half years ago. Oh wow! Okay. All right. Mm. Well, I was born in Central America, Nicaragua, but I was raised in Canada. Mm. So okay. um, I've been in San Antonio for almost fifteen years, okay. and um, we love it. Mm. So you so you were raised born in Nicaragua. Uh, raised in Canada, and you guys met in Nicaragua, or how, how did all that come? I, I, I need a little bit. I need a little bit more background sure, on sure. this. So, <laughs> uh, how God brought you guys together? Because my my story with my wife coming together is pretty amazing too. So, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if oh, you just, for sure, yeah. I'm gonna play some love music. Yeah, here, right? <laughs> let, me, let me pull up some music. Yeah. Here. So I was 29 years old mm. when the Lord brought me to San Antonio. Mm. To meet me, you know, to, to present himself to me and save me. Wow. Right? So I was saved in San Antonio. And uh, three years later, uh, after the Lord saved me and I was part of a local church there, I met a missionary couple mm. that were from Puerto Rico, where I am from. And yeah. They had the same last name I do. So mm. we, we have a lot in common. We Primos, became, yeah. yeah, we became <laughs> very close friends. And uh, the wife, in her head, she thought, you know, Diego needs to meet Nedelka, you know, because oh. they were just coming from Nicaragua. Ah. So it was through her uh, insight and persistence. Mm. So there was a, she already had, God had already put it in her heart that she had the man for you. And yeah. so, so you guys get introduced. And so what did you think about Diego when you first saw him? Well, she had that in her mind, but we didn't. <laughs> okay. So it okay. took, it took um, a lot from her to convince Diego and I to actually meet somehow. Okay. So we started exchanging emails. Mm. And it, it was a long distance uh, okay. relationship, but they were there guiding, mm. helping us because sure. they wow. knew Diego, they knew me, Got it. but we didn't know each other. Wow. So, yeah. um, so after six months, Diego came to Nicaragua to, to meet yeah, me. Yeah, sir. And um, it was wonderful. It's like I've known him for so long oh, wow. when we yeah. first met face to face. So. It, and I just want to bring that up just real real quick about your uh, uh lately we've been just experience here at bridge just a lot of single women and a lot of single men and it's kind of hilarious because there'll be time and influx of just single christian women that are here and they're like there's no christian men around and then we'll see like an influx of the opposite there's like there's no <laughs> christian women everybody's complaining mm-hmm. and, and and i just wanted to hear that story that god has your your mate out there for you if you know for in and he's using somebody else to bring you guys together. That's amazing. And the same story for me. So Right, right. I also wanted y'all to talk a little bit about, because you, you guys helped Tim Challies translate mm. uh, one of his works. Um, and that's kind of one of y'all's roles as being church members of GCC and just something that y'all have done. Y'all have used y'all's ability to translate. Mm. Um, Diego, I know, has translated for Pastor Tim Conway. And if y'all could just talk a little bit about that before we kind of just dive into the testimony, because I think it's just interesting that this is where you guys are at now. Yeah. Yes. And before we go jump all the way back, back. to the past, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, 2016, January, uh, there was a need for an interpreter mm-hmm. to travel with Pastor Tim to Nicaragua. Yeah. And uh, we didn't have one at the time, and very reluctant. I accepted to go as a one-time kind of trial deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. And by God's grace, uh, the mm. church there was blessed by the work of interpretation, translation. And I've been traveling with Pastor Tim now for 
three, almost four years, oh, wow. uh, translating for him and other uh, other preachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, now not not something I thought I could do. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, I, I was kind of forced into it. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes God does that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does. Uh, and it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing for me personally, mm. and I'm grateful uh, by the feedback that I get from wow. the brothers in Latin America that it's been a blessing to them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need translators. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's yes, one of the we one do. Of, one of the struggles that we've been uh, having here, um, and we got uh, Eduardo to do. And right. He's doing some teaching, but yeah, it is very much needed for translators yeah. and, and, and some of this great, rich um, theology. theology that we have in books mm-hmm. that need to be translated and given to uh, our brothers and sisters in Latin America is yes. very, very needed. Yeah, we're, I definitely want to talk about that very, yeah. very soon. But yeah. Tim Challey's book, what's, what's the book that you helped translate? Well, um, I think it was in 2018, last year, um, we were driving to Dallas and uh, someone mentioned to me, have you heard of Team Charlie's new book called Devoted in English? And said, well, it's a small book, let me read it. So I read it on our way to Dallas and when I closed that book, I said, these stories, they will be such a blessing if they were in Spanish for mm-hmm. Latin America women. Yeah. And so it was just a thought, and then I contacted someone from Revive Our Hearts with the Spanish outreach, and I said, can we do a series in Spanish about godly women who raised amazing men in church history? And she said, okay, well, what are you thinking about? And I said, well, I just read a Charlie's book, and I think it would be great to translate some of those stories. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, we got to talk to Charlie's first. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, let's contact Charlie's, you know. <laughs> so we did, and that thought um, ended up being, well, let's do the whole book. Oh, wow. And um, I was willing to do it. Uh-huh. But um, by God's grace, we contacted a um, Spanish publisher that has been doing that kind of work mm. for about 100 years. Oh, wow. And when I spoke to the director, I said, you know, this book would be such a blessing if it was translated in Spanish. And I gave her my sermon about why it should be translated in Spanish. <laughs> And at the end, she looked at me and she said, you don't have to convince me. We're going to do it. And so she asked, can you just help us along, you know, as the translation is going? I said, yes, of course. And one of the things that I wanted was to keep the same cover of the book so it can be easily identified. And she said, you got it. You want that? You got it. So mm-hmm. it's such a blessing, and you're right. We do need more Spanish yeah, material mm-hmm. for Latin America. Mm-hmm. Why don't we see that though? Uh, it's a question that I've been asking. Why? Why the challenge of that sound theology that in, in translation from? I know that there are um, translations been going on, but just really solid, good theology that we have now seen a lot more and more, but. Not, not in the, um, I guess, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mass uh, production. Mass production that we probably see in the. Yeah, um, uh, it has to do a little bit with the history. Okay. You know, so here in the U.S. in a lot of Western countries, um, we had a, a lot of influence from the Reformation, mm. and if if you go back, you realize that you know the main uh, book to instruct the children. In the early years was the Bible. Mm. And children at a young age were instructed to read 
and they were reading scripture and they had a lot of the influence of the Puritans and the mm. Reformation. Right. Unfortunately, that didn't happen in Latin America. Yes. <clears throat> and we had a lot of um, influence from the Catholic the Church. church. Mm. All right, so yeah. one of the things about the Catholic Church is to keep their people ignorance yeah. of what the scripture really says mm. and all the instruction when it comes to religious stuff comes from the priest and from the church mm. so this culture of reading is not is not natural for the majority I'm not going to say everyone but the majority yeah. of right. Hispanic uh, speakers that's one that's one thing second the the, the reformation uh, and the Protestant movement did not influence Latin America as it, it did all the other Europeans and Western mm. yeah. uh, countries. So that's, yeah. th- those are two major factors. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's changing. It I is. Mean, yeah. We are seeing, um, in, I would say, in the last 25 years, um, people are more hung- hungry to mm. know about the true God. People do want to know more about theology. Mm. So we're grateful that there are materials in Spanish. Um, God has raised um, excellent Spanish-speaking pastors Mm. that have influenced in Latin America. Yeah. But we definitely need more material. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, I, was exci- definitely. I was excited to see when R.C. Sproul's uh, Everyone's a Theologian was translated in Spanish. Yes. Those somos theologos. And, I, man, I was excited. Uh, you I, bought a bunch of them. I, I bought a bunch of them. I gave some to some of our employees. And I was like, because I've read the book, and, and you know, and uh, Steve had uh, done a class on it here uh, several years ago. And I'm just like, wow. Yes. People are missing out on this. Yeah. And that right there is an indication of what's going on in Latin America right now, mm. right? Because the Lingonier didn't have material available. Yeah. And they actually started developing their Spanish ministry. Yeah. And they hired someone, Mateo McGee, mm. Matthew McGee, who come on board and, and spearhead that. And that was one of his projects, you know, to bring that into Spanish. And so, so now you see ministries like Lingonier. Uh, providing solid material. Yeah. They're, they're working yeah. really hard and providing even the, the teaching ses- sessions that are available in video. Oh, wow. Well, they're dubbing that into Spanish. They have an excellent uh, uh, Pastor Pepe, uh, I can't remember his last name right now. Mm. Mendoza. Mendoza, Mendoza yes. is doing an excellent work on it. So it's available. I'm, I'm actually using that with some of the churches we're supporting in Latin America. Really? So awesome. I send this wow. material to them and then Emmanuel Betanz is providing me the study guide. So providing that to them and now they're using it for Sunday schools and everything. That's wow, great. Wow, that, that is, is so, awesome. That, that is, is so awesome here. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, so let's let's back up a bit because I do I really, really want to touch on that, the state of Latin America, the theology. Um, but okay, so let's go back to um, uh, Nicaragua <laughs> um, and, and share a little bit about your, your testimony, Nadelka, because I came across your video, which, what ministry, by the way, was that that produced it? Revive Our Hearts. Revive Our Hearts. So that was the same people that you talked to to translate Tim Challey's book, right? Am I correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll put that that um, that testimony video in the, in the description for the podcast. But yeah, I, I kind of want to start there. Um, because I watched the video and I was like, that is a powerful testimony that I think a lot of women need to hear. Mm-hmm. And honestly, just anybody. It was very encouraging and I really wanted to capture that here on, on the program. So, um, yeah, talk a little bit about where you were born, the state of it, and then we'll take, take it from there. Well, thank you for that. Um, well, I was born in uh, Nicaragua to a well-to-do family. 
Um, my mom's side of the family, very political, very influential in the country. And so I was born in, in abundance. But at the age of six, um, I experienced something that changed the course of my life. Okay. Um, I was sexually abused by a chauffeur in our home. And so that changed everything. As a young little girl, I knew that was wrong, but I didn't know what to do with it. Okay. And so my mom and my dad, busy working, just involved in you know, political actions. And I was just at home, and you know, the chauffeur took advantage of me. And so we moved out. We moved out of the country when I was eight years old, two years later. And... Um, I made a decision at that age that I was going to forget about what had happened to me. And so we moved out because of the Civil War. The Sandinista, the communists, were taking office or power in the country. Okay. And um, I remember coming to the States, and um, then we moved to Canada, and I was raised in Canada, never thinking back or remembering what had happened to me at the age of six, mm. but it affected every area of my wow. life. Wow. And I didn't know what was wrong, but it was just a distant memory, you know? Mm. And so at the age of 18, for the first time, I had a memory of what had happened to me at the age of six. Mm. And I think for a lot of sexual abuse women, that is a um, coping mechanism, you know, to just mechanism, to um, suppress it, forget, yeah. suppress it, not think of it, mm. um, put it just behind, and um, it just affects everything in your life. Huh. So at the age of 18, I had a memory for the first time, and I spoke, and I told my mom, who is this man? You know, who is he? So had you forgotten who this person was? Like, what do you mean by suppression? How does, how does that never, look like? Yeah, like, I, you knew something happened, but I you couldn't remember? I knew something was wrong. I mm. knew something was wrong. I didn't know it was sexual abuse, but I never remember what had happened to me. Okay. Mm. She blocked that memory. It was mm. gone wow. until... At the age of 18. And what, what caused that to kind of surface? <laughs> I remember watching, I was watching TV in the basement of our home, and immediately a memory came. Hmm. My mother was close by, and I said, who is this man? I remember this man. Who was he? Um, hmm. He smelled this way. He looked this way. And my mom said, that was one of the chauffeurs that we had in the home. And I said, he did this to me. Hmm. And my mother just, you can't imagine. Um, yeah, her she, Yes. And so um, from the age of 18 to 23, it was the worst years of my life because mm. I knew what it was. I knew something was wrong, but I had no answers, no solutions, and I wanted to die. <laughs> and at the age of 23, that's when the Lord saved me. Wow. Oh. Wow. Did, uh, how was your relationship with your mom during that time? Um, the good thing about my story is that my mother believed me. Oh, okay. When I told her what had happened to me, she believed me. Wow. There was That's a lot great. of information that a six-year-old just could not make up. And so I know for some women, that's not the case, and it's just harder. Right. But my mother believed me, wow. and she said okay, let's find something to help you. And mm -hmm. 
I did psychologists, psychiatrists. Um, the only thing I didn't do was take drugs okay. to, you know, ease the pain. pain. Right. Wow. But everything else um, I did to to try to heal, to try to get better, to yeah. try to not want to die, not commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, nothing did until the Lord saved me. So yeah. what were those manifestations? You said yeah. that you didn't do drugs. What were the other manifestations that showed up of you trying to cope with that tragedy? It was just this emptiness. Mm. You know, no matter what I had, I, I've always had abundance, and it was just so empty. I, I wanted to die. Nothing was fulfilling. Um, I became an anorexic mm. for so many years. I, I thought I'm going to punish my body this way because I felt um, dirty. It was mm. my fault. I did something to cause this. Mm. I was always angry. I hated men and children because mm, I wow. thought I was a child. And I never want to have kids because this is what's going to happen to my children. And I never wanted to be married because I thought men are evil. Mm. Mm. So it it just distorted everything in my life. Mm. One event in my life, yes. It changed everything. Wow. Wow. Um, So uh, God got a hold of you at 23. Um, You know, you started getting truth. Uh, did this some of those effects uh, transition over to because you said you hated men, you didn't like children um, as you started dating um, uh, Diego, your, your your husband, were those things a challenge for you guys in your relationship? Um, and, and, and the only reason I'm bringing it up because just in case there's listeners out there who have gone through this and and found God and I, I, I know that we've talked to a lot of girls here in Laredo, uh, people that we experience at um, at our office and uh, that know people that were sexually abused and the anger, the blame, the shame. And we've never come across this in before. Uh, you know, I'm, it happens everywhere. But for some reason in down here in South Texas, I was was blown away of just how, how much of it there is there is and how common it is. And you God had a man for you, a godly man that he's brought in your life. While you guys were were dating, how did, how were you guys ever to come overcome those challenges? Did you feel anger still or wasn't too sure, doubt if this is where God is leading you to to be with Diego? Well, I know for me, um I didn't want to be married and mm. I didn't want kids. Mm. That's one thing that I I knew up up to the age of 23 when mm. the Lord saved me. It took years for mm. the Lord to work through healing, mm. um, just having people around me that would um, counsel me with truth. Wow. Um, it just took years for yeah. that to be healed and for me to see that God was bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, when we got married, both of us didn't want children. We were Christians. Mm. Um, We loved the Lord. We knew we were saved and that, um, you know, God was bigger than our story. But we still did not have good sound transformed doctrine that would help us see what a blessing children are. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I think that was one of the biggest things that God dealt with us wow. in our first three years yeah. of marriage, just wow. the blessing of children. Right. Even though we suffered, um, God had a bigger plan for yeah. us. Wow. Yeah. Amen. And I, I want you to talk a little bit about, just backing up a bit, to your struggle with uh, anorexia, because that, that was a big manifestation. It was the depression. It was the anorexia. What was the kind of psychology in your thinking, and, and how was it like dealing with, you know, anorexia? I think that's... Um, it started when I was... Actually, uh, what what is anorexia, for those who don't, who might not, okay. you know, be familiar? Well, it's just um, looking at yourself, you're, you know, looking yourself in the mirror and thinking that you're fat mm-hmm. and that you want to do something about it. And so you go and you starve yourself thinking that by starving, your image of yourself is going to be better. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lie in your head that you are trying to, you know, live by, but it's a lie. It's not true. Now, I've, I've always had this question for people who struggle with anorexia. Now, do you physically see yourself as fat? So it's it's some sort of is it like more like an illusion? Yeah, or? I mean the 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 lens and the angle that you see yourself, no matter how much weight you lose, you're still fat before hmm. you know, it's just before your eyes. It didn't wow. matter how much weight I lost, I still thought ages I need to lose more. Okay. Wow. It didn't matter. So hmm. it was an image distortion of what Yourself. you know God had created me like. Wow. And so it started when I was maybe 12 years old, and when the Lord saved me, it still lingered for a few years, not to the degree when I was lost, but I still struggle with body image. And I think it had to do, obviously, with the abuse. Mm. Um, Women feel ashamed, dirty. Mm. Um, That's the connection. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So um, it it just went for years, and and I wanted to die. So you, and that was a way, did you already accept in your mind, like, I I want to die, and this is how I want to go? Absolutely. By starvation? Yes. Now, yeah. did, now, did your parents recognize that that yeah. was going on while at 12? Is that what you said it started? Or were they not? It got chronic really bad when I turned 18 mm. after I had that first remembrance, that mm. first image okay. of um, the abuse at mm. 18. From 12 to 18, they knew I was a peaky eater Mm. um you know didn't like a lot of things always wanted to keep myself skinny but it didn't get chronic at the age of 18 they went back to nicaragua because the civil war was finished Mm. and i stayed in canada by Mm. myself okay so for years um i was off and on with this disease if Mm. you could call it that Mm -hmm. and um it got really really chronic really bad the year that the Lord saved me. Yeah. Mm. So that's what the that's what the Lord used to bring me to a place of total bankruptcy surrender. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I I am um, something that's striking me. I recently heard a um, Candace Owens is a political commentator, and she recently interviewed someone who who's come out of the uh, transgender movement, mm. and it's just so interesting how. Um, the person who's now coming out and kind of speaking against it, though this person went through the, the process, um, had an encounter with 
it was a it, the root of it that he, she uh, uh, he is talking about is it was a uh, sexual abuse. Yeah, that was the whole root of it, and it stayed undealt with through his childhood, and it was just a. It, it's just weird how stuff like this could manifest. Just talking about just like a an yeah, illusion, something in so many different ways, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I guess the parallel here is uh, with you know transgenderism and anorexia. It's it's a it's a distortion of reality yeah. is what it is. And the root of you know those I'm just recalling back is just the sexual abuse mm-hmm. that, that was the the root of it, and um, it's just so powerful because it's just the impact of sin. Just yeah. In general, and, and I mean, that, sin that, is just creates nothing but death, the distortion, and it's just—it hmm. really hits. It just in, impacts. I'm just hearing your testimony. It's mm-hmm. really, yeah. And, and Julio, you've said it here on the show many times of your testimony how you just struggled with depression and wanting to uh, before you came to know the Lord and oh yeah, and, struggled and, severely uh, with Trent, yeah, suicidal su- depression, suicidal and depression, anxiety, and, and until the Lord took a hold of you. Yeah, yeah, and, and we. And, so. Well, we could talk a little bit about that right now. So you're 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 wanting to commit suicide. You're dealing with anorexia. Um, was did you have any sense of Christianity, who Jesus was? What was your perception prior to that of who Christ was, the gospel, the Bible, uh, any uh, any understanding at all? My grand maternal grandmother, she was a devout Catholic. Okay. And um, when I was six, I remember her taking me to church with her. And as I was going through the abuse, I it, going to church, it was something that felt good. And um, I remember, you know, being at home, being abused by this chauffeur. But then I would go to church with my grandmother, and that felt so good to hear about God. Mm-hmm. And the devilish thing about that was that when this abuser was doing that to me, he would tell me stories about Jesus. Oh, so he was abusing me while telling me stories about Jesus. And because I was going to church with my grandmother, I would numb myself because I wanted to hear the stories about Jesus that he was saying. And so that went on for two years. So any religion in my life, it started with my grandmother when she would take me to church. So my all teenage years, I remember being very active in the Catholic Church. Mm. I thought this is what's going to heal anything, even though I didn't know at the time. Mm. But just being in church, going to hear Mass is going to do something. Mm. At the age of 18, as it got really bad, I continued to go to church, but it was worse because I would hear about this God, but where where was he? Mm-hmm. I, I, I would go to church, read the Bible, do all these things, but I could never find him. And so it was very difficult, even though there was some religion in my life, there was nothing that would take the pain away. Did you ever feel angry at God during any of the, this time? Not at God, but I was angry at my parents for not protecting me as a mm. little girl. And I was angry because I hated men and children mm-hmm. because I thought children suffer. I, I hated the idea of having children, not mm. hating children, but the idea of having children. But I hated men more than anything. Wow. But never angry at God. What do you, what do you mean by hating men? How does, how does that look like? How do you feel like you just, they were evil. I thought okay. men were evil. And as a woman, as a feminist at that time, I mm. knew I'm going to take revenge Hmm. And so I would date men, and when they were manly in love, 
I would just leave them. <laughs> oh, that's sorry. I don't break mean to their lie. heart. Yeah, you're, yes. so you were a heartbreaker. I was <laughs> big time. Diego and was a target. <laughs> you're a heartbreaker. No. Um, so um, wow. That, okay. that I would do that on purpose. And and and, and there was satisfaction when you would do that very yes, much. Okay. Very much. So that was revenge for me. You wow. did this to me. I'm gonna get you back. Wow. And so that's what I did for a long time. Did you have a lot of guys just kind of afterwards, like, trying to... Heartbroken. Like, heartbroken, send you flowers, do everything to get you back? You know, I don't talk about that. I haven't <laughs> thought about that <laughs> in I'm a sorry. long time. But I don't mean to bring it, that in front of no, your husband. But, it's just that, you know... But the that's... stories that I could tell you about what those men would do to get back with me is insane. I mean, people... I mean, those men would yeah. say things like... Um, Oh, I don't even want to think about it's it. Fine. But it, it was. I will jump off the bad. cliff for you. If you no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, it, 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 thank you for sharing that. I just think that that's really important. That what you were because of your anger, this is what you were doing. Yeah. And and no, and, and thank you for being so honest and open. It, it, yeah. Because I know that first of all, we have a worldwide audience, right? And and just with uh, comments and people just writing out to the ministry. Yeah. Of we don't know who is listening, you know, on the other yeah. end. And, and so we try to just clarify those things that yeah. somebody might want to know. It might relate to that thing. and might and connect. S- it yeah. might connect and just see what God just has done in their lives and yeah. change everything and be like, yeah. that was me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So religiously, Roman Catholic, yeah, f- feminist, sounds like. Yes. Diehard feminist. Yeah. Yes. So what, when was the moment of that God called you what what was what was that experience like when did you hear the gospel so i remember when i was in the catholic church there was a friend of mine that took me to a charismatic service Mm. and when i saw that i i was in shock i didn't know what that meant i was just so used to the um you know just uh, what a mass was not really a charismatic service Mm. so that was the first encounter outside of the catholic church so at the age of 23 my mother became a christian first and for a whole year she prayed that i would um be saved so they were in nicaragua i was in canada studying um and uh, she would pray, she would pray that the Lord would save me. And that was the worst year. So I encourage, if you know someone that you want to be saved, don't give up praying. Yeah. Okay. Because I know that that year that my mother prayed, it was the worst year for me. Mm-hmm. Because the Lord was doing something. I didn't know, but the mm-hmm. Lord was doing something mm-hmm. through her prayers. Right. So that year that she prayed, um, I I knew it was the year that I was going to die because starvation became very chronic. I mean, I would eat one apple a week. Wow. I mean, it was just really bad. And I remember one day I was sitting in the couch. My entire apartment was dark. And I heard a voice. I don't know if it was outside, inside, audible. I, I, I can't. I, don't, I can't tell you, but I heard a voice that said, go to Nicaragua because you will meet me there. Wow. And I knew it was God, but I didn't know what that meant. Mm. And so a week later, I was in Nicaragua. I weighed like 80 pounds. I was 23 wow. and I was like 80 pounds wow. because I That's wanted crazy. to die. 
Yeah. That was yeah. the whole thing. I wanted to die. So I got there, and my mother took me to a prayer meeting of these, uh, all her friends. And when I saw the joy, the joy that those ladies had, I said, I don't, I don't have this. I'm lost, mm-hmm. and I don't have this, and I want this. Mm-hmm. And that night, going back to my room, and I said, God, I don't know you. You brought me here. Where are you? Wow. Save me because I'm lost. Wow. And I remember crying all night, slept, and when I woke up the next day, I knew something had happened. Wow. I, I, I looked within myself to see if I still hated, if I still was angry, and all of that was gone. And the first thing that I wanted to do was to eat food, <laughs> which was the very thing that I was not doing wow. because I wanted to die. Mm-hmm. And so there was life now, wow. and I wanted to eat. Wow. And I told my mom, Please give me some food. I'm remember, hungry. Do you remember what your the first food you ate? Yes. What was it? Rice and beans. Yeah. <laughs> Arroz con habichuelas. Yes. Right? Yes. Wow, that is just amazing. Okay. Oh. And just seeing God, I'm, I'm sure you're looking back, you're just seeing God's providence and how He yeah. is just lining everything up to get you to this place, mm-hmm. and God drawing Himself to you, mm-hmm. um, and. And, and probably just from that stage where you guys are right now and just seeing the Lord's work oh, in his hand and everything over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> that brings a smile to my face. No, it, do, it does. Hearing that, like, it does. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so at, at that point, what, what, what happens next? So um, I, I stayed in Nicaragua for the whole summer. That was May when um, I went down there. My university year was almost done. So I stayed there for seven months as a new baby Christian. Mm. And um, I was involved in a lot of things because I was so hungry Mm. to know about this God that I had not known. Mm. And so um, I stayed for about seven months, and then it was time for me to go back to Canada to Mm. finish my studies. So I went back to Canada for about a year and a half, um, finished my school, and then I told my parents, I want to go back to Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the country where everything started. Yeah. And so I went back and for the very first time, because even though I'm Hispanic, I hated everything that has to do with the Hispanic culture. Mm-hmm. I was ashamed of that because of what had happened to me. Oh, no. So going back after the Lord saved me, it was a time of redemption for me mm-hmm. because I got to know the country I, I um, got to know my roots where I was coming from and I learned to love the country uh-huh. love the people and fall in love with the Hispanic culture again mm-hmm. wow. in a new way which was in the Lord wow. mm-hmm. and so for those seven years I grew in my faith um, was a Christian single very active in the church had an opportunity. Feminist? No, no <laughs> longer a feminist. Okay. Um, God started dealing yeah. with um, the idea about marriage. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Reforming the mind. Yeah. He was transforming, transforming the yeah. mind and, and showing me that that was the old Nadelka and yeah. now the new Nadelka was in him. Is it because as you're reading scripture, you see men in a different light of what God's uh, plan is or his uh, the male role in within a Christian? Um, I understood that it wasn't it, it wasn't Hispanic men that I hated the most. Mm-hmm. But it was sin. Yeah. It was sin. We're all sinners. Yes. And we yeah. all have, we're all dysfunctional, distorted. Mm-hmm. And only Christ can make that new. Yeah. Yeah. So I understood that what I hated was the sinful thing that uh, happened yeah. to me through men. Got it. And that by God saving me, restoring me, he had someone for me in right. the same way. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's so powerful because yeah. it's like, it, it. and this is going back what Abe was saying earlier, because when I was struggling through my trials of depression and anxiety, I mean, suicidal, I do not wish it upon even my worst enemy mm-hmm. to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could, I could, looking back, I'm like, I could... I can't even imagine there's anything worse or deeper that mm-hmm. a human being, that a mind could go down. And um, and it was just interesting, as I was going through that process, when I would encounter certain doctrines or truths in Scripture, it was almost like it was just cut, like, and it, it would it would relieve me of that. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what was the case with you, is mm-hmm. it wasn't men that you hated, it was sin yeah. itself. And once you understood and you grabbed a hold of the doctrine of sin yeah. and the anthropology of man and how yeah. it just yes. ruins everything, yeah. and it was like, I'm hating the wrong yes. thing. Yeah. And that was kind of the case with me, even with the sovereignty of God. I was so anxious all the time. And once I came to understand the sovereignty of God... It just relieved everything. Yes. And, you know, I, we've said on this podcast before, I think yeah. that A.W. Pink, you said, uh, um, you know, the sovereignty of God is the pillow that we rest our head on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and also to understand, uh, another verse in Scripture, I remember reading it when Jesus says, um, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden. for I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Yep. And I remember when I read that verse, I was like, I know exactly what that means. Yes. Exactly what yes. that means. Because everything was just relieved. And it and it came through knowing scripture, knowing yeah. biblical doctrine and truth. Mm-hmm. So And um, he, and he's gonna glorify himself. He's gonna make his name famous things. in all things. Yeah. Yes. And that's where even before uh, when God got a hold of me, I've never slept so well <laughs> until I God got a hold of me and got saved. Because yeah. I was always anxious and, 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 and I don't, I'm not gonna get into my testimony and what God but I just knew I was just chasing everything in the world and nothing was satisfying and I was never confronted with my sin Yes, and that I had a sin problem, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And God broke me down in Chicago by myself in my apartment, bawling. Yeah. And like you said, everything changed after that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everything changed and I'm down here in Laredo. So, they, you know, and God's sovereignty has, yeah. you know, yeah. And it's like what I said at the opening of the program. It's why I love Titus. You know, chapter mm. three, verse three through seven. It's because we were all once foolish, disobedient, led yes. astray, slaves, until the washing of you know slaves to sin. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's just a, definitely a renewing of the mind that happens. Mm-hmm. And from that moment that you came to Nicaragua, um, did you like from that moment on? You never struggled with anorexia, or you know, were there still some sins that were 
being dealt with. I'm more than sure, but more specifically, like anorexia. Um, Not chronically okay. like it was be- when I was lost, but there was still distortion about body image. Okay. Um, I remember there was a period in my life that my diet was Coke and Doritos. That sounds that's, delicious. That, that's all I ate, but not good for your body. No, not at all. Um, yep. And um, I remember, uh, you know, what Titus 2 talks about older women teaching mm. the younger women. Uh, a sister came along and said, do you want to be married? Mm-hmm. And I said, I do. She says, you're not ready to be married. And I said, why not? And she said, because your diet is horrible. (laughs) You have no self-control. And that hit home for me. And I said, okay, she's right. She is right. So people, you know, bring other believers in your life that will give truth and help you to grow in godliness and holiness and and um, that was very helpful that was the starting point for me to think i do want to be married mm. huh. you know it just changed for mm. me were okay. you in a discipleship relationship with with that lady i was okay, off good. and on yeah. i wasn't in a sound church but it was with what the Lord had for me at the, at the time. time. And all, all I'm just saying, just the importance that you were using, using Titus as older woman, bringing on mm. the younger woman, and that she was able to speak that truth to yes. you and you accept it and yes. not get angry or defensive yes. or anything like that. That I just wanted to get to that point. This yes. is why we believe that discipleship is important, even though it might have looked a little bit different than Absolutely. a biblical discipleship. Mm-hmm. But God used that and, and got you where you needed to be in yeah. the thinking of so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The church was used to help godly women. Yeah, yeah. to come and kind of come. So, up. so that helped me to think about marriage in a biblical way. Mm. You okay. know, maybe I do want to be married. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you were ready, um, God was sorting all these things out. Mm-hmm. When were when was? Do you recall the first time you were like, "I'm ready to, to 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 get in a relationship, find a a, a, a man," even though I know that. The, the story when there. she laid eyes on Diego <laughs> yeah well yeah oh, I mean, boy, oh, boy. well yeah. I mean we, we talked yeah I mean if you just want to touch a little bit on yeah. that uh, just of the coming of two together because we see anger uh, yeah. with men uh, you uh, having no having no wanting to have children having no all. children uh Getting revenge, yes. I think that's what you use earlier on on men when you're dating. But now God has transformed you. You're like, I'm ready for this. How did that all look like in, in, in God bringing you, uh, your husband Diego, to you? So very quick, I, I wanted to be married, but I didn't want to be married to a Hispanic man. So the Lord still <laughs> was working in me. And um, the couple that Diego mentioned in the beginning, um, they said, you know, Diego and Adelka can be a good match. And the first thing I asked the husband, I said, Nestor, so is Diego Hispanic or what? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, I'm not interested. Pero un puertorriqueño de New York. Pero no es machista. Because I was scared that, yeah. you know, Hispanic and what had happened to me. So there were still some things that yeah. the Lord wanted to help me. Mm. And, um, but you know, they said he's a good man. He loves the Lord. And wow. I was like, oh, I don't know. But eventually, after six months of them pleading with him and with me, mm-hmm. um, she said, can you just give me your email address and he can write you one more friend? 
And I said, okay. So we started writing to each other, and we got to know each other in a way that it was perfect for us. Wow. Because so, if he was there physically, maybe it wouldn't, wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. yeah. And what it, you said, perfect for the, the two of us, it, it means that, you know, it was what we both needed yeah. at that time. Can you just spend a little time just talking about that, Diego, of what you needed and what you were looking yeah. for? Yeah, so our, our story is kind of similar in, in a sense. Okay. Uh, I was uh, sexually abused when I was uh, a teenager by my priest mm. in the Catholic Church. And um, I, uh, even though he was the man of God, I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't charge God mm. right. with that. I wasn't angry at God. Mm. Right? So eventually when the Lord saved me, he saved me, I, uh, I did not have any of those symptoms that you were talking about mm. that come from sexual abuse. I right. was, I was, but the sexual abuse had an impact in me, which I was promiscuous. Yeah. I have many different relationships. Mm. Yeah. Um, and my concept of beauty was very distorted. Mm. Right. So if I would have met Nedelka at that time, physically, I would never be attracted to her. Mm. Although today, God's definition of beauty for me is sitting right here in front of me. Uh, now, outside of this, there's no beauty. This is yeah. what I can delight myself in yeah. and glorify God. Yeah. So this is Nedelka is the standard of beauty for Diego Medina, yeah. you know, and I love it, and I'm yeah. grateful to the Lord. Yeah. So <clears throat> that long-distance relationship, it was what I needed personally uh, for, for the Lord to be transforming my mind, for me to get to know her as a person. And it was what she needed when it came to me, because she got to know me, yeah. you know. And then when we met each other physically, she was she was beautiful. Yeah. We were comfortable. Yeah. We knew each other. It was like we've been friends all our lives. Mm. Wow. But so Diego, you could have been French Canadian, right? If it would, if, uh, <laughs> if uh, she didn't want to go the the Spanish route. Right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, <laughs> we're talking about that. Look, look at little things, right? So yeah. you, you see this. This uh, little, little side career, profile he's giving side a, profile yeah. here. This is uh, what the Lord used to kind of open the door a little bit for me, because when she saw the picture that I, the only picture I had was mm. a profile picture. Okay, and she's like, "Oh, he doesn't look Hispanic. He looked Arabic." Ah, well, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything but Hispanic. You kind of do. You kind of wow. do, do look a little French, man, with the hair. Oh, the, the, hair. Oh, the hair now. Yeah, yeah, the hair. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you got. You kinda, we could kind of see it. I always get that. Man. Yeah. Are you? Are you? What country are you from? I always get yeah. that, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not Arabic. I mean, not. I mean, if if Julio was called out to the mission field to the Middle East, he'll he'd be, be fine. He'll be, be right, he'll be okay. I'd be blend. right, blend mm. right in. Yes. Well, joking all aside, I, I mean, that's just amazing how it just got. And 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 we just had last week uh, for our listeners that didn't listen to the podcast, the masculine mandate. Um, uh, we had Doctor Phillips, Doctor Richard Phillips, in his book, and what man's responsibility uh uh what that looks like as a man and in a christian household his responsibilities and not this whole macho thing that especially in the hispanic community that yes. you're supposed to, what you look like yeah. uh instead of a, a biblical uh view perspective of what a man uh, looks like and 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 i just want to make sure for your listeners out there men and women should listen to it uh, and, and thank you for sharing that because I think it's really important because you guys are one. 
Mm-hmm. You guys are one in Christ as uh, a married couple, and yes, and despite all the challenges, I'm sure. All right, so something else, yeah. real quick. Yeah, so sure. she's, she's talking about her uh, anger towards men mm. and everything. All right, so to me personally, one of the greatest talking of mercy and grace in my life mm. is the fact that my wife is able to forgive me. Mm. She she doesn't hold grudges. Mm. Um, it's, it's incredible. Mm. Now, if, if if you question God's acceptance of you and, and, and his love for you and how he's able to forgive you when you sin, to me, uh, my wife's love for me, her, her ability in Christ to forgive me is one of the most tangible ways of experiencing grace here on earth. Like wow. If I ever doubt that God loved me, I look at my wife and I see how she is able to forgive me and overcome my sin towards her. And it's like, well, if she, if she is evil, right? Mm. A fallen creature mm. struggling right. with sin, yeah. and she's able to love me this way, then how can I God? How, how can I doubt that a good God is able to forgive wow. me and love wow. me? Wow. Well, you know, uh, my wife is really good about that. You guys got to meet her when she walked in real quick. Um, God knew what he was doing when he brought us together. Yes. He, he really did. Because um, I I deal with anger, not because I'm angry. At the word. I'm just, first of all, there's a cultural thing, you know, like if you're always talking, I mean, you in a Puerto Rican household, everybody's <laughs> loud and yelling. Yeah. yeah. And if you yeah. don't get it, like it's so like some of that, uh, some of that growing up, you just kind of translate. And, and when I got, uh, when, God was dealing with just a lot of things with me, just with with, with that. But um, as my wife, uh, we got married, and and she would be like, "Why are you yelling?" I'm like, "I'm not yelling. I'm just talking." Yeah, it's just normal. <laughs> this is normal. But uh, for her, it's not used. To, and and we have a cultural differences yes. as as you have. It. And man, my the ability of my wife to forgive as well has been a huge blessing. It is. I, I I'm just like. And, and I look, I was like, I couldn't be with anybody else because nobody would stand me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but again, yeah. just just her as my helpmate and and her walk with Christ and and her responsibility as a wife to her husband is absolutely just been yeah. amazing for me as well. And that's that's a great story. It's just amazing to see um, two fallen, broken human mm. beings, you know, with a tragedy yeah. at the beginning of their life really affecting everything up into the point they got saved uh, feminists you know per- promiscuity mm-hmm. and and then finally you have you, you two coming together um, like any relationship I'm sure there was some struggles especially going into marriage oh, yeah. can y'all talk a little bit about that especially for our young just audience especially people you know my age I'm 26 and uh, some of our younger listeners just how to pursue that marriage Kind of how that you know how, what did it mean a little bit to be a husband a wife and just some of that I think I think getting getting that would be great good can we just piggyback just your question off of that too and how is that how are you been able to help other people yeah. with both of your experience too with that I can say um, when we first got married I I thought I was transformed in some areas but others obviously um, the Lord was still dealing with me and mm. I remember. The first month of our married life, I said to myself, what did I just do? Mm. <laughs> this this is just 
not what I thought. Mm -hmm. And so that first month was very difficult. And I remember one day we were both arguing. He went to work and I stayed home. And I thought, this is not what I thought it would, you know, what marriage would be like. There has to be something different. I'm Mm. a Christian now. Yeah. You know, I've been a Christian for years now. And I remember just being in the room and reading Ephesians 5, 22, mm. that says, you know, women, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Mm. And I thought, I can submit to God, but not to Diego. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately the thought was corrected. If you, don't, if you say you submit to the Lord, but you don't do it to Diego, you're deceived. Mm. Because as to the Lord... Is like you are submitting to Diego. Mm. So if you submit to Diego, you are doing it unto the Lord. Mm. And it changed immediately what that meant in marriage. And now, 14 years later, I mean, I remember it so vividly. 14 years later, I, I tell the women, submission is such a blessing. Mm. In submission, there is rewards there's blessings there's joy there's comfort there's protection and the best example of that is christ unto the father unto death and so for me as a married wife when women are struggling that's one of my first questions how are you submitting to your husband as to the lord Mm. because that's where it starts if you're not submitting uh, you know as to the lord you are going to have problems about everything. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that I knew a month later that I needed a husband to understand what that meant, and the Lord just changed it. And Diego, did you see that change? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was a switch. Yeah. (laughs) So in what ways would that manifest out? I mean, you know. You mean now? No, uh, well, prior then, to that, well, yeah. yeah I mean, we, what? The first month, we almost killed each other. Yeah, yeah. It was it was bad. Yeah, there were arguments about everything. Yeah. Wow. Know? Um, my wife was very successful as a single young lady in Nicaragua, and now having to come to a different country where she couldn't work, where she didn't know anyone, uh, where she needed to be now in my home, according to what I could provide for her. Uh, she still had this uh, mindset that, you know, okay, so this is your money, this is where you, yeah. but, you know, where is mine and everything. Yeah. And and me trying to explain to her, well, this is ours. You yeah, know? we're <laughs> one. So we're, yeah, yeah. And, and, and seeing Stop those taking things. my yeah. money. For, for those who can't yeah. see, yeah. Um, Nadelka's just shaking her head because yeah. yeah. you can <laughs> tell she's getting a flashback because yeah. she did not yeah, like it. Yeah, so, so, you know, just being able to see that change. Yeah. Wow. Although at that time, the two of us didn't have the, the, the knowledge of the supremacy of God that mm. we have today. Yeah. Uh, in that time, uh, I, I, I can say I was a little bit more advanced in that mm. knowledge. I, I, I have an understanding that our marriage was a commitment for life. Yeah. And uh, it, was done, it was before the Lord. She came to our marriage still thinking that possibly divorce was an option if yeah. I didn't you know, fulfill certain requirements. The bucket list that you probably had in your yeah, head. Of what a, yeah. yeah. And then seeing that, that shift. Wow. You know, in her mindset where, okay, no, no, this is, this is until death do us apart and we need to work together 
to make this work so we can honor the Lord in our marriage. Wow. It was it was big change. Yeah, and, and and it's not easy. I mean, me and my wife had struggles the first year because we came later on in our life. I'm 41, my wife is 42, uh, and we've been married for uh, almost four years now. So we got mm. married later on in life, uh, and I've never been married before. So what's going on here is when you're bringing two, same thing. I mean, we are going at it. What she's she's trying to see how she can submit as uh, uh, as a wife, looking for me to leave the family like a uh, a, a godly man because we were saved. We knew we knew God, and now we just have these challenges going on there. And um, and I'm sure that those things were being manifested that in, in your marriage when you guys were going on and still trying to understand that if if, if I can. Just, just to give you some context, when he says, um, as a Christian single young lady in Nicaragua, my last job was working for the UN. Mm, okay. So the stuff that you do in this organization, I mean, you are above the law in some things. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're a diplomat. You do mm. so many things. And then to come to a place where you're married and now you're submitting to another man mm. when I was my own mm-hmm. boss. Yeah. Um, the Lord knew that marriage at that time, it was exactly what I needed. Wow. I wasn't a feminist, but in in the practicality of life, it was manifested as a feminist. So it was, you know? it was kind of subtle without oh, yeah. being... Yes, yeah. Practically, you were a feminist. Yeah. Practically, I was, yeah. but in my mind, I now. knew, oh, no. Yeah. So marriage just transformed, God using my husband, transformed that idea of you're not two, you're mm-hmm. one yeah. in mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. And um, that verse, Ephesians 5.22, as to the Lord, you submit to Diego, as to the Lord, it was what changed everything wow. at that time. And did y'all come under um, the church for counsel years on this? Later. Okay. Yeah. No, it was years later. We were still in a um, Pentecostal church here mm. in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And years later, I would say, I don't know, maybe four or five years into our marriage is when the doctrines of grace came to our lives and then we ended up at GCC. Wow. 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 Um, I want to go back to um, just the the state of Latin America, if we can just go back. Um, as we've been reading, the, I've been reading the news. I, I, I don't know, Julio, if you've been, keep, been up to this. There's a lot of unrest going on right now yes. in Latin America. Uh, Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador, Chile, Chile. Um, Mexico w- is a me- well, narco state. Yeah, but I mean. m- most important, we've seen revolt and going on in these uh, these uh, these country where, uh, uh, I mean, I forgot about Venezuela. Nicaragua, uh, too. Nicaragua. I mean, and, and it was just the other day. When I saw an article and they list all the countries, what's going on? I was like, hold on a second. I didn't know that it was uh, Bolivia and all these other ones. Yeah. I was like, they're having trouble. And and the thing is, is that because we're over here in, in America, States. in the United States, we get sh- shelter, shelter from that news, especially with everything that's just going on with this country. You don't get to get some of that news over here because of what's going on with the impeachment process and all the things. You don't <laughs> get that. And then I saw this article. I was like, oh, wow, there's something really bad going on in all these countries right now and people are fighting 
tell me what you guys know of what has been happening just uh, in the state of Latin America right now. And well, right now, for example, in Nicaragua, uh, there are there are people dying in the streets, and it's been over a year now. Uh-huh. Um, the the government co- corruption, you know, people coming out asking the government, the, the president, to step down. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there is a lot of oppression uh, mm-hmm. using the military, using the police to oppress the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, like for example, in Nicaragua, the the Catholic Church has a big presence, uh, and the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. So there is there is not uh, a, a sound voice uh, leading the people, mm-hmm. helping wow. them process what's going on. So you see, it's just awful. You know, yeah. We have we we're supporting a missionary there right now. Our our church uh, is supporting two churches in Nicaragua, and just trying to help the church members process what's going on and mm. how to think biblically yeah. in the midst of all this and being able to see the supremacy of God yeah. in all of this you know, is, 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 uh, is a challenge. Because prosperity gospel can be something easy to hold on to oh, yes. and, and when you're going through all this pain yeah. where you're just saying that you know God is going to get you out of this and he's going to give you what you need. They didn't be so confusing and, when and, you look and, around you. And, and distort yeah. and that solution. truth. Yeah, you're right. The dissolution of yeah. that. This, I, you can't reconcile I hold into this and now look the, the like reality my country. of our country. Tree, yeah. And it's just incredible. You know, uh, the missionary we're supporting in Nicaragua, he just came from Venezuela where yeah, that's the right. same thing is yeah. happening there. Uh, his his family is from there, so he's, mm. he's actually has skin in the game there. You know, he's trying to support and encourage his family and his brother who is leading a small church, reformed church there. Wow. Now, so... It's, it's hard, but the beautiful thing is that we see in the scripture mm-hmm. that God is supreme of all those Everything, things, yeah. and he uses all these things for the good of his church. Yes, mm-hmm. and, it, and it might be through those means that he brings his chosen people to him. I, uh, I, I don't. I normally don't watch CNN, but there were uh, probably like five months ago, they were doing a, um, a, a little segment on Venezuela when uh, this they're interviewing this lady who was a teacher. She has gone into prostitution just to survive. And you can just see the pain because one thing that I'll never forget in that interview um, is she said, I just don't know where God is mm. in all this. Wow. And yeah. that really broke my heart. Um, because you just see all this pain and everybody, I'm sure that there's a lot of anger towards God, especially as you said, a, a, uh, a continent, you know, where, where God in a Catholic Roman Catholic, Catholic point of view, everybody's like, Oh yeah, I got it. And for them, they're like, where is he? Mm-hmm. You know, where, yeah. where is, and, and, and in our, in our, um, uh, 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 uh theology and our reform is that, God is bigger than all this, and it could be through those means that he brings them to know the true God yeah. of this universe, right? Well, preparing you know, the heart of pre- Latin America pre- preparing in some the heart way. To receive yes. the gospel. I well, mean, the only God that makes sense in the midst of suffering is, is the God of the Bible. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you have a Savior, Christ, mm. who came and suffered yeah. so he can redeem his people. 
and he called his people to follow after him. He, he taught us that suffering is actually a tool where we can see and appreciate yeah. the beauty and the value of God above all anything that yeah. this world has to offer. So, it, it, you know, it only makes sense there. Now, yeah. if you believe a prosperity gospel and you're in the midst of all that suffering, it doesn't make sense. You, you can reconcile yeah. reality with that God. Or even in a, even in a temporal or an eternal, inter, uh, eternal perspective of things, that God wants you to have everything now in a prosperity, and we forget about the promises of the future in Christ mm-hmm. as He's going to consummate His kingdom. Yeah. Right? That this is just a temporary Mormon life. Even if all the pain in the world is here, sixty, mm-hmm. eighty years, it's a blink or a. a, a, a of an eye in, in in the perspective of eternity is yeah. what I'm trying to get at. But speaking, you know, you, your background, a little bit of financial advising mm-hmm. for the future, everything, right? Yeah. We were just listening to this on the way here. Our world is teaching people to think, okay, think about your future. Mm-hmm. 30 years from now, prepare mm-hmm. yourself. For, well, the gospel teaches you to think about your future, but it's talking about eternity. Yes. You know, yeah. so this... Temporary life is here to prepare us to see Christ, yes. to see his beauty, to yes. be transformed and conformed to see his, into his image mm. for a great gain. Mm. So suffering makes sense yes. in Christianity. Wow. And it's something that we can be grateful and, for, yeah. and joyful yeah. in experiencing. We see it in the scripture. We yeah. see yeah. the apostles rejoicing oh, because yeah. they were able to yeah. suffer for Christ. Okay. They were yeah. able to share in his suffering to death yeah. to death but the, but the gain see the, their mind their eyes are set on something that is eternal, eternal. Yeah. yeah and 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 that's where we need to be because yeah. uh for our listeners out there if you are suffering right now just remember that it is temporary even if it even if it ends your life here in this life remember that there's something greater in eternity, Christ. And we have to remember too to be able to embrace good news, mm. which is the gospel. Yes, we need bad news first. That's right. Yeah. Because other than that, we don't see the value of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, when I talk to people in these countries in Latin America, that's what we point them to. to yeah. You know, yes, it is bad. You know, people that tell me. Um, I want to die. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Of mm. course you want to die. That's the wages of sin, death. death. But let me tell you Amen. about the good news. And so there are opportunities that we have. What is happening in Latin America, it doesn't surprise me as mm-hmm. a Hispanic because we know God is moving. Yes. Right. And so we need all these bad sufferings for people to see up and embrace the good news of the gospel. Amen. 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 We should probably spend the last couple minutes that you want to on adoption. Yeah. Um, so if we can talk about that. Yeah, sure. Sure. Do you want to touch? Because we're, we're already we're already jumping past an hour. Yeah. So the conversations could go quick. Yeah. Um, what, what do you guys 
do you guys sure. feel? Sure. Yeah. I'll just add adoption real quick. So when we first got married, we didn't want kids. Mm. Um, we thought they were a hindrance. We thought they cost too much money. We <laughs> thought we weren't going to be able to be good parents. Mm. And so we both agreed when we first got married, we don't want children. No. So one year, two years, and three years into our marriage, I started, I, I mean, I, I liked kids from afar, but mm. not my own children. Mm. And so three years into our marriage, I started to see or to just experience this awakening for a mm. love of children. Wow. And I knew that wasn't me. Mm. I knew it wasn't something that I could create because I didn't want children. Mm. And so when I started sensing that the Lord was awakening a love for children, I started reading more about it. Okay, wow. what does this mean to be a mother? Because I never wanted to be one. And so as I read a lot of it, and um, obviously we weren't getting pregnant, I came to Diego and I said, I think God is doing something in my heart regarding children. I want to be a mom. And it's like, give me children. You yeah. know, what is happening here? And so um, we decided to go check ourselves to hmm. see if there was something wrong with us physically because three years into marriage and there was nothing wrong physically hmm. for us not to have children. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, so if God is doing this and I'm not getting pregnant, what is the Lord doing? Mm. And um, I said, babe, I think the Lord wants us to adopt. Mm. And yet, no. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. No, I want my own children. Mm. And so I knew if this is of the Lord, he has to change Diego's heart oh, because wow. I can't do it. Yeah. And from that day on, I said, I will never bring this topic again. God has to do it. Oh, wow. A year later, one year of just praying and trusting God. One day, a Friday night, he came from work and said, I think you're right. The Lord wants us to adopt children. Mm. And I knew this is of the Lord. The next day we went to an adoption agency and the process started. So I would say, I don't know, eight months later, maybe a year later, yeah. after getting everything ready, um, we first adopted our three children, which is a sibling group. Mm. So they have the same biological mother, but different dads. Okay. And um, it was a group. So we prayed for maybe one or two babies and the Lord said, no, that's not what I have for you. I have three, seven, five, and three years old. Wow. So I went to bed, just Diego and I. I woke up a mother of three. Wow. One so adoption, you think about that. Uh, one adoption, three kids. <laughs> yes. Wow. At once. At once. And remember, guys, I didn't want to be a mom. Yeah. And yeah. for God to transform my heart and to put a love for children, it was incredible. And then for children, even even furthermore, children that aren't your own. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's even more powerful. And that's... That's right. That's such a parallel of God's adoption towards yes, us. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So seeing our children 
Like, I can't conceive myself not having my children. Yeah. I don't see biological or adopted. I mean, we mm, know yeah. friends right. that have had both biological and adopted children. They're not adopted children. They're our children mm. that came through adoption, yeah. mm. which yeah. is very Amen. different. Yeah, we're, we're parents through adoption. Yeah. And they bear and they get all the rights and privileges Absolutely. Of, of, of who you guys are, your, yes. your names and everything. Yeah, and for your name. audience, it's not just one adoption, three kids. We actually have three adoptions, five kids. Yes. So after <laughs> after the first adoption of three, we a year later, we adopted another baby. Uh, he was 11 days. Wow. Uh, when he came to the house, uh, we adopted him a year. Uh, he was one year old. And then uh, a beautiful uh, baby girl that came to us a year after. So in three years, we went from zero to five. To five. Wow. Well, what I'll a... tell you what. Whenever they were walking into bridge, I was like, oh, hey, hi. Oh, there's, <laughs> yeah, another, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Wow. Okay. That's a that's a big family. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I saw, yeah. We saw them coming out of the van uh, when you guys were parking. I was like, oh, wow. There's one, too. It's like the the, the, the clown car where the clowns La just, keep, they just keep coming out of the car. La but, tribu. La tribu, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's um, awesome. Well, we're already coming up on the yeah. top of that. This has been a great podcast. If you guys are ever in Laredo again, we'll do a part two talking more yeah. about this. But um, we always allow our guests at the end of the program to share what the gospel is. Yep. We've talked about you know political uh, politics. We've talked about sin, the effects of sin. Mm-hmm. We've talked about uh, a whole slew of things, but we know first and foremost as a ministry that it's the proclamation of the gospel that's going to draw someone to saving faith. So um, whoever wants to take the reins on that one. So the gospel... The gospel is there is a God who created all things and created us into his image and invited us to walk with him and to know him and to have fellowship with him and we rebel against him mm-hmm. and we decided to we decided that our way was better than his mm-hmm. and we became his enemies by our action. Yeah. And this God loves us so much that he offers peace, even though what we deserve is his judgment and wrath. So in one hand, he offers peace, in the other hand, he has to soar justice. And he calls us to peace, and he restrains his justice. But it's impossible for us to reconcile, to pay the debt that we have. And because he is so loving and he is offering this peace, he sent his son, who, who is perfect and has done everything that is pleasing to the Father, who has no sin, who has done no wrong, and he offered himself as this perfect sacrifice, a spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. And he gives his life out of his own will, willingly. He goes to the cross not to suffer the punishment of man, but to receive the judgment of a righteous God. And he gives his life. And the gospel is that whoever believes this message and receives God's gift in his son Jesus Christ will have forgiveness of sin. Not only that, but what we're talking about, it, it, it is invited to be a son of God through adoption and to share all the privilege that the son had, the Christ Jesus, in him we are partaken of all the riches and the love of God. 
that we can have peace with Him. But if we reject this offering of God, then we will receive what we truly deserve, which is His judgment. So we can flee this judgment if we run to Christ and we find refuge in Him. And by faith, we believe that His His sacrifice and His life and His gift to us is sufficient for us to have peace with God. Amen. 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 That is the gospel. Well, uh, Diego, Nadelka, it was a pleasure to have you on yes, the program. Like I said, if y'all are back, uh, we could do uh, part two. But yeah. um, for our for our audience, if you're in San Antonio, in Texas, if this was the first time you heard the gospel, uh, we encourage all y'all to get into a uh, Bible-based church. Yeah. Go make this podcast. Yeah. Your means by which you're fed spiritually. Yes. Be uh, discipled. And uh, if you're in San Antonio, you could find uh, Diego and Adelka at Grace Community Church San Antonio. Yes. So, <laughs> all right. Well, happy Thanksgiving. And I always end the program with the Heidelberg Catechism. Question and answer number one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That is that I am not my own, but, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you on the next program. Thank you. Later.